0: Are listening to a podcast from C3 Church Wallandilly. For more episodes and information, please visit our website at c3wc.com forward slash wallandilly or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash C three wallandilly but predominantly I'm talking about women and the heart of God for women. And I want to honor a woman in our house and our lead pastor, Pastor Jill, if you could come. This if I've known Pastor Jill for a long time, but I know some of you have only just started the journey of having a relationship with this beautiful woman. But we thank you, Jill, for championing the cause of women. Thank you for leading strong, yet in stillness and quietness. Like, there's such strength in that. And thank you for rising, constantly rising, rising, rising. So our heart to you is one of love and one of gratitude, one of honour. And I want each of us to continue to champion We want to champion you, and we want to say, "Keep running, keep rising." We love you, and we believe in you, and we're going to keep cheering you on in every part of the journey. Amen. So why don't we put our hands together? We've got—I made you a little something. I did because I was going to buy you some flowers, but I just feel like flowers come and go really quickly. So, and we're coming into the Christmas festive time. Beautiful. Yes, you have. I know. I'm so jealous. Uh, in a good jealousy, of course. <laughs> but there's something to hang either on your door outside or inside, whatever you like. But just a reminder that we see you and God sees you and we love you. <laughs> God bless. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So it is an honour and a privilege to be able to speak around this issue women's inequality. And as I have dived in, oh my gosh, my heart has been radically changed and challenged. But in such a good way, I feel like my heart's just gotten bigger. So big for women, so big for the call of God upon humanity, you know. And so my little um, subtitle over these two weeks is Let Her Story Tell His Story. And I pray that even today you would see again how the story of woman tells his story. And over the years and over the generations, there has been this voice that has shouted to women with this question of, who says so? Who says that you can rise and lead and have an education and a profession, be a person of influence? Who says that you can create and design and have a voice and be seen, to be strong and courageous and fight? Who says so? Well, my prayer and heart is that as we dive in, all of us will truly be able to respond to that voice that has tried to pull women down and cause her to be timid and silent and afraid and feeling like she's not good enough or accepted or equal to bravely rise together and say with godly confidence, God says so. You know, last week, we went back to the beginning. I like that song, you know, back at the beginning. You know, would you meet us here? We went back to the beginning and we saw how everything changed in a moment. When humanity fell, how we as humanity changed, we no longer were looking to God. We were falling out of relationship with him and with each other. And the consequences have been devastating. The inequality of women around the world breaks the heart of God, and it truly should break ours. But I'd love to encourage you to go back and listen to the first podcast and read through Genesis chapter one, two, and three, and look again at God's original design. Look again at God's call on humanity and how big it is, and that it can only be done as humanity works together both male and female, side by side. In this place and in this house, we always say when reading passages of Scripture or a particular verse, we should never just interpret it in a way that it doesn't fit into the whole picture or truth of Scriptures collectively. We always say that. Don't just pinch one verse or one passage of Scripture and then make some theology or some doctrine out of it without it actually when you look across the whole Word of God, the whole heart of God, does it fit in that? Is that really what it's saying? And I love that we're constantly challenged like that, because that challenge is don't just listen to what the preacher says, go and investigate it, search it out for yourselves. You know, we're not afraid of you doing that, we want you to do that. We want you to dive in and get revelation and truth yourselves. So how then has this been echoed and repeated throughout scripture, that her story will tell his story, that a woman has worth, value, and equality? Well, throughout scripture, we see lots of godly women in the Old Testament, such as Eve and Rahab, Naomi, Esther, Sarah, Rebecca, and so on. You know, you may recognize some of these names because you may know the stories in the scriptures, but you may not. But in the Old Testament, it's filled with women who God called and appointed and anointed to do incredible things for him. And I'd love again to encourage you, go search it out. But there were also some ungodly women mentioned and noted, which often I hear about, such as Jezebel and Michael and Vashti. And there are others, but you know what? It's true of you guys too. There are men that are listed as champions of God who did great things for God and humanity. But there were also men who were very, very wicked. And there are women that God gave giftings to and talents and leadership, such as there was Miriam, a prophetess. Deborah, she was known to be a judge a prophetess, and she was called a mother in Israel. She was highly esteemed, and she did that for about 40 years of her life. Holder was a prophetess. Isaiah's wife, I didn't know some of these, was a prophetess. Women were used in the making of the tabernacle. The law of the Nazarites was for women as well as men. That's something else I discovered. They were consecrated and set apart to the Lord for sacred purposes. Oh, I love this story. There was a wise woman who saved a city from destruction. In 2 Samuel, I'm going to reference it because I'd love you to go look it up. 2 Samuel chapter 20, verses 16 to 22. And the other thing I love is that all these women were of different ages and had different life experiences and different stories. There was a little girl who witnessed to Captain Naaman about the true God of Israel who could heal leprosy in 2 Kings 5. So it didn't matter age. There was Abigail who gave King David words of wisdom and not to mention Ruth and Hannah. There were women who were involved in the restoration of the wall of Israel in Nehemiah 3.12. I'm saying all of this to show you, that the story of women, of woman, is going to tell his story and has been telling his story over and over and over and over again. There was a widow who offered hospitality to prophets. And as I read about widows, I saw that God tells us that we had to highly honour and esteem them and look after them. In Exodus 22:22, it says, "'You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child.'" Also, scriptures are found in Deuteronomy and Psalm 68. I love this passage of Scripture, 5 to 6. It says, Father to the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home and he leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Oh my gosh. The list goes on and on, and I honestly, I know I'm going to keep repeating this. I encourage you to search it out, search it out, search it out. There are prophecies in the Old Testament, again, highlighting the heart of God for humanity, for women. In Joel 2, 28, 29, this is a famous passage, And it shall come to pass, Afterward, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. God saying on everybody, covered all bases in that prophecy. And Psalm 68, 11, it says, "'The Lord gives the word. "'The women who announce the news are a great host.'" great host. Together, we are women, a woman that God created. And not to mention the words that were spoken over Eve all the way back in the beginning. Or how about Sarah, Abraham's wife, the blessings that were on her world and her life, a champion for women. As you read these stories, it's a privilege that we get to dive in a little bit. But I also love how real and vulnerable these stories are. They don't just show you their highlight reel, like we get to often see now on social media. They actually show you their struggle, their pain, their shortcomings, their failures, where they had to repent and go back to God and cry again to the Lord. And I love this because God isn't looking for a perfect woman or man. He is looking for one whose heart is open towards him. And now I'd love us to go to the New Testament, and that is filled with women as well. But one woman I'd love to highlight, because she totally inspires me in so many ways. And we find her in Luke chapter 2, and her name is Anna. She was a prophetess that was serving in the temple. She was a widow, married for only seven years, and elderly in age, Now, I did a little bit of research on this, and some people say, yeah, she's in her 80s. Then I read another thing that said he thought she was in 100, and I'm like, 105, I think he was saying. I'm like, how'd you get that? Do your research, everybody. (laughs) She was a woman who had suffered great loss, because you can't miss the fact that she was only married for seven years, and then she was a widow. Plus... She had lived long enough to see lots of things. Who knows that life can sometimes make us turn away from God or become hard or even look down on humanity because of experiences that we've had. But here is this woman who was senior in her years, but yet found in the temple every day serving. She was serving the Lord through worship Fasting and praying, and Luke mentioned that she is from the tribe of Asher. In Deuteronomy 33:25, a blessing is given to this tribe. I went back and I read, and it said, "Your strength will equal your days." Well, Anna's life shows evidence of this. She never leaves the temple. She worships, fast pray, fasting and praying, and it is, it is said that Anna works hard because every day she's showing up. Every day she's turning up at that temple. Yet her lifestyle seems to invigorate her. She's mobile because she's coming to the temple every day. She's alert. She's prayerful looking, spiritually savvy because she's always before the presence of God. And she's unselfish because she could be doing this alone in her house behind closed doors, but yet she chooses to step into the community, into the temple where people are going to be, be present with them. So that to me says she's unselfish because it wasn't just her and God time. It was her God time and then people time. She so inspires me. She was a woman who was still full of hope, had a personal relationship with God. She served and loved him and those in her community But now I want to narrow it down a little bit more. And I want to talk about some women that Paul talked about. And you might ask me, why why the women that Paul talked about? Well, you'll discover as I go along. There was Phoebe. Paul speaks about Phoebe, who was a deacon of the church in Censoria, And Paul asked the church at Rome to assist her in whatever business she had need of them. That's found in Romans 16, verses 1 to 2. And actually, in that chapter in Romans, Paul talks about 10, mentions about 10 women who were, he calls, fellow workers in the gospel in some way or another. In verses 3, 7, and 12, these ones are mentioned as helpers or co-laborers or companions in labor. Paul spoke of Unidas, sorry if I pronounce these names wrong and Sinki, syn- as fellow workers in the gospel in Philippians 4, verses 2 to 3. And Paul writes one of our keynote passages for this series of one in Galatians three twenty-eight: that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul's writings gives honour and dignity to women. So, Paul is in no way a male chauvinist, as is often attributed to him, due to a couple of scriptures that he writes in letters. So, again, to know the heart of God, we need to look at the full narrative of the scriptures to see his heart for women. I want you now to do the same when we look into this scripture. I can't tackle everything today because I want there to be opportunity for prayer and, you know, a heart-to-heart work with the Lord. But I'm going to dive into one of the scriptures that Paul writes, that people have said to women, who says so? Who says that you can rise and lead and even speak and have a voice? but I want you to know the heart of Paul, that's why I mentioned these women that he said were co-laborers that were working side by side. He was telling the churches to esteem them, to look after them, to honour them, to be there for them. And then he made clear in Galatians that there is neither Jew nor Greek. This is the heart of Paul. And so to understand his heart, like I said, we need to take reference of all of Paul's writings relating to women and then interpret the Scriptures in light of such as well as the historical and cultural settings of his time. So, here is one of the scriptures. And this one we will look at up on the screen. It's found in 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 15. So, if we could... Is that... Oh, yes. So, verse 11. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man... Rather, she is to remain quiet. Verse 13, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Good passage of scripture, right? can see why that one's been thrown up and said, who says so? Does God really say Hmm. I'm sure that question was asked of someone in the garden. So this letter, we're going to read it in the context, we're going to remember Paul's heart for women, and we're going to see who he was writing to. So he was writing to Timothy who was in Ephesus. Paul was addressing, if you read the letter of 1 Timothy, he was addressing issues that were happening. Timothy was young, leader, I love this, this is like mentoring, this is Hey, I've faced some of those struggles too, Timothy, and I'm going to give you some insight. I'm going to give you some direction. I'm going to give you some clarity around this. And the main thing that Paul was actually trying to tackle was false teachings. So it needs to be read and understood in this context. So let's go. Verse 11, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness, sorry, stumbling over that word. We're here. Paul addresses this disruption that had been happening because if you know anything about the way things were, men would sit on one side and women would sit on the other. And throughout some of the different services that were happening, women were shouting across to their husbands, hey, I don't quite get that. What did he mean by that? Disruption, disruption. And so Paul's like, hey, hey, hang on, hang on. Here he addresses that, that we should learn in quietness and silence. Well, the word here does not mean absolute silence, like a woman should not speak. It means to learn in stillness and quietness. It means to have a heart that leans in when he talks about submissiveness. It means to have a heart and an approach to learning that does submit, that does give honour to the one who is teaching, respect, to have an ear, to hear, quiet of spirit, going, okay, what am I learning here today? Is my heart open to this? Am I going to honour, like we always honour our preacher and our pastor and the one that's prepared, right? We're we're like, okay, I'm going to quiet myself. I'm going to be open-hearted and open-minded. Possibly there is some truth that God wants to share with me today that maybe I didn't understand. So here Paul is saying, come on, women, learn quietly. Have a heart that leans in. But that's for all of us, by the way. But, and then in verse 12, he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Well. Wow. The word teach or exercise authority here means to seize or grab possession of with force, without right, and to dominate someone. Didn't this happen all the way back in the garden? That all of a sudden, when we fell out of relationship with God and with each other, there became this wrestle between man and woman, one trying to dominate the other. And now Paul is addressing that very thing hey, girls, you don't need to be forceful and dominating and trying to force and have your way. And when the word here mentioned authority over a man, that word more expressively is speaking of a husband. So wives, don't try to take by force and dominate your husband and try to rule over him, but lay that down and remember... That we were called to walk side by side, championing each other. I love, as you read this scripture, you begin to go, hang on a minute. That's not actually saying even what I had thought over the years. And again, it's not that she's to remain quiet, like silent, and never say anything. Again, it's that stillness and that, come on, lean in. You want to learn. You want to grow. Now, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. (laughs) And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Gosh, I've heard this one over the years. Oh, well here, Paul is highlighting that it's not the, it's, he's not highlighting that it's the woman's fault regarding the fall, but that it was deception. Remember, he's tackling false teaching. He's trying to address the false teaching that's happening. So he's saying it was deception. I want to, high, he's highlighting that. Here he's addressing the false teaching and Paul's warning them about it again to be aware, to be teachable with a heart that leans in and is submissive one to another, partnering together. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So what's he trying to say there? Well, this verse makes sense in the light of context of the Artemis worship. You might say, what is that? Well, this cult was popular in Ephesus and as popular at the time, and it's mentioned in the book of Acts, chapter 19, 28 to 37. Artemis was a fertility goddess and a protector of women. So Paul is claiming that, a wo- that women do not need to look to the goddess to protect them through childbirth, but now look to Christ. And to continue to grow in faith and holiness, I, I was like, that was amazing. Because for a long time in my journey, I used to think, gosh, Lord, all you want girls to have is babies. And how is she going to, okay. But here is like, no, no, no. Turn your gaze from where what you've been taught and what you have thought and what you've believed and the challenges in your community, because that was still rampant. She was still worshipped. And he's saying, no, 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 you need to look in your childbearing, not to her, but to Christ, and continue to grow in your faith and love and holiness with self-control. So Paul was not giving a command to women not to teach or have authority over men, but for women not to assume superiority over a man, her husband, and by force... Not to promote false teaching, but to have a heart that wanted to learn, to have a heart that wanted to grow in faith, to have a heart that was teachable, open to new understandings, and that each of us, each of us should should pursue that, that each of us should keep growing in our faith and in our understanding and in our awareness of who Christ is, and that is man and woman together. I saw that whole passage in a whole new light. I listened to others speak about it. Let me just say that. And you know, we all have filters because we've got experiences. And if I read that through the filter of my upbringing only, then I would go, okay, as a woman, I've got to be silent and I've got to be subject to the man and I've got to, I don't have a place. That's just my natural ethnic background filter. But we're not called to do that. God says that in Christ, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, there is no longer Argentinian or Australian. Come on. And it's not that I can't enjoy cultural things. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. But he's saying that mindset, that thinking of, well, who says so? Who says that as a woman, you can't be bold and courageous and share and be of influence? Who says so? And here, I just wanted to break one of those thoughts down, because maybe that's been your filter. Maybe you too have heard that passage quoted over yourself as a woman, or maybe you've heard it quoted out there, or men have used it jokingly. Maybe intentionally wanting to shut you down or just not knowing. But I would say we need to ask the question, who says so? Does God say so? Did God say that? Is that the truth of what he says? And if it is, go with it. Submit to that. Learn, grow, embrace the heart. But if it isn't, question, ask, ex- explore, learn, investigate and be open hearted. So my prayer is that over these last two weeks, you've let her story tell his story, that you have seen God's heart for women. And like I said, if if Pastor Rowan and Pastor Jill had asked me to speak about men, I would have come up here just as bold and as fierce as I could have been. But have you seen how her story way back in the beginning where it started in the garden, that you and I were to tell his story and that he uses broken people... He is not looking for a perfect one to bear his image and name. There was a perfect one that lived on this earth that did that fully as a human, and his name is Jesus. And we are called to be disciples and followers of Jesus. And we are called to be bearers of his image, male and female, humanity together, championing each other on. But maybe your experience hasn't been that. Maybe you haven't Experience that throughout all your life. I don't, and I don't know where your heart is. I'd love our, our team to come. Like I said, this is an encounter service. I had to cut so many things out of my notes. Pastor Rowan, I get why you teach as much as you teach, because I'm like, you want to share every aspect, every side. But we're believing that God is with us here today. And like I said, when I dived into this study, I sort of thought, believe in women's equality I'm all for that but there were things that God began to highlight in me and some of those things like I said were cultural like upbringing where I still had a bit of that who says so and I was wrestling with does God say that or is that right or and also so I don't know where your heart is at men maybe you've been challenged to look upon women with pure eyes Eyes that see her as a woman, beautiful, but yet precious and of great value to honour and respect. What about us women? Maybe we need to look to men with pure eyes, ones that champion him and cheer him on, empowering him to do and be all that God calls him to be, not pulling him down and saying he's not enough because we've tried to demand from him that which only God can be and give to us. And what about some of us girls? Maybe we've faced the challenge of inequality. Or maybe you're still in a situation or in a moment where you really feel that that battle is raging. Maybe you still have pain from wounding and dr- and trauma. Or maybe you still are hearing words that have been spoken over you with that age-old question of who says so. Maybe you're struggling with your identity or your call or your sense of worth. Thanks for listening today. For more episodes and information, please visit our website at c3wc.com forward slash or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash c 3 wallandilly